0: So much of modern motherhood is spent wishing we were doing better, whether we're comparing ourselves to other moms or to the ideal mom we assumed we'd be before we had kids. But this wishing takes us further and further away from joy and it stops us from being the mom we want to be. I'm Rebecca Brownright and I'm here to help you focus on connection because connecting more deeply with yourself and with your kids will help you forget about mom comparisons. Connection will help you resolve behavior issues with your kids and connection will help you live a life full of real joy because that's what you and your kids deserve. Pause and connect with me for a moment to listen to discussions about connection and motherhood, finding your purpose, smashing cultural narratives, and so much more. This is Pause and Connect. Hi everyone, welcome back. This is Rebecca from Pause and Connect. And today I have my husband with me. Hello. (laughs) Ryan is here. Ryan, do you want to describe your voice really quick for everyone?
1: <laughs> okay, sure. So for those that didn't hear last time, uh, I have a paralyzed vocal cord due to thyroid cancer, so that's why my voice sounds this way.
0: Yeah. Uh, just have to explain that before we <laughs> before we get going. This is episode 23, and it's called How to See the Positive in ADHD. So our first episode together that Ryan and I did... Um, I can't remember what episode number it is, but I will link to it in the show notes. It's about ADHD, and it's about um, what's going on in the mind of your child with ADHD. And it is still my most downloaded episode on this podcast. So we wanted to come together again to shed some more light on ADHD, both from my perspective as the researcher and the writer in the ADHD industry, and then from Ryan's perspective as someone who grew up with undiagnosed ADHD and has learned as an adult how to manage it. We're also raising one child with diagnosed ADHD and one who we're pretty sure has ADHD. So we're kind of really immersed into the ADHD world. Um, we're not the we're not the experts, but we are going to share information from the experts in a way that we hope is really helpful to you today. Um, so we really strongly believe that the way children with ADHD need to be parented is actually the way all children thrive. So again, as we said in our last episode, if your child doesn't have ADHD, keep listening because the the message that we're going to share here is applicable to every child. We're talking about taking children's weaknesses and seeing them as strengths. And when when you change your viewpoint, in that way, instead of instead of being frustrated with your child's weaknesses and and seeing those weaknesses as a positive thing or as their really strong uh, ability, then it's it's much um, it's just much more conducive to a connected parenting to a, a home where your child feels they can thrive, and it helps you as a parent um, just kind of deal with challenges a little bit better when when you can see things from a strength based way. Um, So for example, children with ADHD need structure and routine, but they also need movement and creativity. They need patience and second chances, and they also need parents who understand their limitations and then who can provide scaffolding for them to develop the necessary skills to overcome those limitations. And then they need parents who see their strengths and parent accordingly, which is what we're talking about all today. And Every child needs all of that, right? So all children benefit from that approach to parenting. So we hope this episode will be helpful to you. Also, if you have ADHD, um, we hope you're going to walk away with a lot more love and a lot more like for yourself and your child. And we hope it's going to be helpful to you to see your child in a new light if you are raising a child with ADHD.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much good that comes from ADHD. Uh, I mean, there's good that comes from all all types of of uh, you know in the neurodiverse world uh but um you know getting discouraged about adhd is definitely a way to head downhill so so there's yeah. so much great things um things that you can pull out of your children that are so positive and just really create a great connected relationship with them
0: yeah yeah um when so ryan was diagnosed uh, we had one child. I think she was like one year old. We'd been married for a few years, and um, and that's kind of when things became a challenge. It was kind of when when we became parents, right? Wouldn't you say, Ryan? Yeah, yeah. Right. Like before that, your ADHD symptoms weren't really noticeable to us. Um, they were. We just kind of managed them. But mm-hmm. that that life change really brought them out, and um, and so. Once you were diagnosed, we began reading up on it. I, I mostly began reading up on it, and everything I read was so negative. <laughs> it talked about higher divorce rates. It talked about um, being unable to keep a job, uh, low self-esteem, higher rates of depression. Just like like that. That was the message I found, and I was reading a lot, and um, and it was everywhere. That message was everywhere, and it was so devastating.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was hard for me too, because. Uh, you know, here she is reading all these negative things, and now I'm not seeing much hope for myself. Right. And now I'm looking back and only thinking about the negative parts of me in school. I didn't do well in school at all. Barely graduated. Um, uh, barely graduated high school. Still haven't been able to figure out college. But, uh, you know, all those things just kind of floating around in my my brain as she's reading these things of, like, I'm doomed. Like Mm -hmm. this, I'm not going to be able to hold a career. I'm not going to be able to uh, support my family. I'm just going to be scatterbrained all over the place. Uh, It was pretty tough.
0: Yeah. And then we, we know that they, they say that ADHD is sometimes hereditary. And so we're thinking about our child who was still little at that time. And we're like, what's going to happen if our child has ADHD? And it was just, it was just a really dark, dark place to be. And, um, And so we found uh, a doctor, Dr. Hallowell, he's an expert on ADHD, and he flips the script. And that's what we want to do today. He talks about the positives of ADHD. And so most of what we're going to talk about today is, is from Dr. Ned Hallowell. Um, he's a huge proponent of strengths-based approaches to ADHD. And that framework has been so life-changing for our family as we learn to see instead of the negatives, I mean, the negatives are still there. We're realistic. We're not going to be Pollyanna here and say that that you just have to flip it around and everything's going to be perfect. But seeing strengths where we only previously saw weaknesses has been something that has just really transformed everything for our family. And again, even if you don't have kids with ADHD, this transformed things for our child who doesn't have ADHD, the way that we see that child. Um, so so that's what we are going to talk about today. And
2: oh yeah, I was just
1: saying keep in mind you know these flips that we're doing might not be perfectly aligned with your child with ADHD or right. with you with ADHD, um, but it will help you kind of reframe the way you think about the negative things that come across from ADHD and try to think of those positive things and flipping those.
0: Right, right. So Dr. Ned Hallowell says, if you know someone with ADHD, the best way to help is to start by changing your own thinking about ADHD. And we have found that to be true. It's helped us in our marriage and in our parenting. Um, so we definitely believe that. Like I said, when we read all the negative, we just felt doomed. <laughs> there was, I I even went to a psychologist to try and help me figure out how to be married to someone with ADHD, how to help him, how to help myself, and all of that. And there was this time where she was she was talking. I was I was explaining a frustration that we we continued to have in our in our marriage. And she started telling me, well, you have to, you have to do this and you have to do that. And she, she lined up exactly like, like basically I had to, um, I had to set everything up for Ryan in order for him to be successful. And I also had to live my own life. And and she was telling me this, like you, you have to babysit him. And she used that word. She said, you, you have to babysit him and you have to see him as your child. You have to parent him. And, and I was crying. Like, I cannot live my life that way. That's a terrible way to view a marriage. And, and that was great on
1: my self-esteem.
0: Right. When I told you that, like, how degrading is that? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, um, so like, like I said, like, there's so much negativity out there. And so many approaches are approaching ADHD from the negatives instead of from the positives. And so... If you're in that place where you're raising your child and you're just like, "How am I ever going to help my child be successful?" Like you probably have not found um, the the positive approach to it. You're you're probably in that place where we were, where every expert was telling us it's it's going to be miserable for your life, basically. And and so we want to take you out of that place. We really do. So, um, any thoughts on on that, Ryan? No. Okay. Let's first talk about how Dr. Hallowell describes the ADHD brain. Because when our daughter was diagnosed, I asked her if she understood what ADHD means. And this was heartbreaking. She said, it means like your brain is broken or something. (laughs) And she was seven. And so that was really devastating to hear that she thought her brain was broken when she got that ADHD diagnosis. Now, I was glad I had already read some of Dr. Hallowell's information because As soon as she said that, I was able to flip the script for her. I was able to tell her that it's not that her brain is broken, but that it thinks differently. And the way that it thinks differently is it's unique and fast. And I love it. So Ryan, explain the the Ferrari analogy.
1: Dr. Hallowell, uh, I thought he explained it well. He says, an ADHD brain is you have a turbocharged mind like a Ferrari engine, but the brakes of a bicycle. So your brain is just constantly going fast, 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 fast all the time. Uh, but it's really hard to stop. It's, mm-hmm. um, and so that's... But the, you know, the positives of that is because your brain is going fast all the time, you, you can, you're typically very creative, very innovative. Um, I mean, there's so much that they can do in a short amount of time because of that that quickness we just need to install better brakes
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that's that's that framework that we're talking about so taking those positives of that fast brain and then showing them how to slow down a little bit and and work within the systems that they have to work in mm-hmm. um, and that's the, those slow breaks is what kind of is the negative part of it but we can we can reframe that
0: yeah and and so that positive part that A child who has ADHD has a fast and unique brain, that's really helpful when you as a parent think of it that way. Now, the downfall is, of course, like Ryan said, the slow breaks, but that can be managed with proper treatment, proper understanding, changing your environment and systems, and with lots and lots of education as for you, the parent, and for the child. And then again, really every child ADHD or not has something wonderful that also has a negative component, right? But it can all be managed when you understand and when you look at the positives. So let's get into this. Let's take the negative traits of ADHD and flip them using Dr. Hallowell's model. He points out that the medical model of diagnosing ADHD is all based on deficits. And the word deficit is right there in the name of the condition, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So we go into ADHD with a negative mindset right there from the diagnosis. We think it's bad. It's something we don't want. It makes life difficult. And that's such a bummer when, you, when that's what you're thinking, right? So that's why I love Dr. Hallowell's mirror traits. That's what he calls them, mirror traits. He takes the core symptoms of ADHD, and then he gets their mirror traits to find how those traits are positive. So the first one we're going to talk about is distractibility. This is negative, of course, because it's hard to stay on task, hard to keep kids engaged, hard to get them to start or finish something. So Ryan, how is distractibility a positive?
1: Well, you can look at distractibility more of curiosity. Uh, they're distracted because they're curious about everything that's going around them. I don't know if you remember from the last time we spoke, but having an ADHD brain means that you don't have the, uh, the butler or the mm-hmm. front desk person that's organizing all your thoughts and sending back to you uh, you know, the important information. So you're curious, the, all the noises you hear, everything that's going on, uh, you're curious about what's going on. So what we need to be able to do is create a framework to help channel that curiosity and keep the focus on what's going on in front of them right instead of everything else around them
0: so like in a school setting it's hard because they're distracted by the sounds and the noises and things like that but the flip side of distractedness is curiosity so how do you let how do you teach a child to use that curiosity in a school setting be successful?
1: Well, I think, you know, we need to teach children, especially when they're young, especially when they're first diagnosed, that, hey, you're curious. You're not distracted, you're curious. Oh, I like that. Um, So show your curiosity in what is being taught. They need to uh, be motivated to to participate in the lesson, Mm -hmm. in what's going on in front of them. So, uh, you know, some of the things that I've learned when I'm talking one-on-one with somebody is I'll picture something on their face that keeps me staring at them um, and then repeating in my mind every word they're saying.
0: What are you picturing on their face? Like a spider
1: Sometimes or like a clown nose or <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> red dot on their nose.
2: That's so cute. that way
1: I'm focused on their nose. Uh-huh. So I guess in a classroom setting you can, uh, you know, if you're, your kid's into dinosaurs, picture your teacher wearing a really cool dinosaur shirt and the dinosaur's moving around. So now you're focused on them And then repeating every word that they're saying in your mind and then participating, raising your hand, answering questions. Now, that may not work for every child. Mm -hmm. Some children are shy, Mm -hmm. um, but they could participate in their brain. They Mm -hmm. can answer those questions in their brain. Mm -hmm. But keeping that focus on the teacher, on what's going on, but not talking to your children as it's a, um, you know, don't be distracted by what's going on around you, but telling them that they're curious and use that curiosity to focus on, I'm curious what my teacher's teaching me.
0: Yeah, yeah, let's get curious. Yeah. I like that. That could even be like a, a a mantra that you say in your family, like, let's get curious. Yeah. So that the child begins to see themselves as a curious person and not mm-hmm. someone who's always distracted and making things difficult for everyone and missing things. Yeah. I like that. Um, so also as a parent, and, and I'm speaking as a neurotypical parent, and what I've learned to do is... Um, what you know, you can pay attention to what your child is passionate about, and that's where their curiosity is. And then you can provide activities surrounding that. So, like Ryan said, like dinosaurs. Of course, um, you can you can somehow bring dinosaurs into helping them get their homework done or getting their chores done. So, you know, a, a, an easy suggestion is like a first grader doing their addition homework, and they just can't get through that page. Well, what if you turn it into this this three plus seven problem is three pterodactyls and seven T-Rexes. And how many are we going to have when we're all done? You know, mm-hmm. like that's, that's an easy way to do it. Of course it, it gets harder as they get older. Um, but if you're kind of always looking at their passions and making sure that they're experiencing those passions during, during all, all the time, you know, like, like that they get, they get to experience their passions, then it they can kind of bring that into the harder parts of their lives and figure out how to make those more interesting and keep their mind on them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the key of teaching kids at a young age is how to adapt their way of their brain, their way their brain works to a system that's not really set up for their brain. Yeah. So that's what we're doing here.
0: And that's always the challenge. The system is not set up for ADHD brains. And so we, we call it a deficit, but it's not a deficit. It's the system that's arranged inappropriately, so that it, it creates a deficit, um, and that's really unfortunate. And we, we all we all have to work within that. It's it's a little unfair. Um, okay, so the next trait is hyperactive or being restless. Those are considered uh, th- those are ADHD traits, and they are considered negative by many of us. But Dr. Hallowell flips it to its mirror trait which is energetic. So Ryan, how does that work? Hyperactive to energetic.
1: Well, energy is good, right? Yeah. I mean, so again, um, teaching children these terms rather than saying that they're hyperactive, calling them hyperactive, saying that they're restless in class and always fidgeting. They got a lot of energy. Yeah, I like that. Energy.
0: Like instead of so, like, oh, why are you so hyper? Yeah. Why are you bouncing off the walls? Instead say, wow, you have a lot of
1: energy yeah. today. What can we do with that? Yeah. Right. So in school, that's a hard thing. Again, right. they're sitting in a system that's not really built for ADHD. Um, but that's why, you know, schools are more and more allowing uh, fidget toys and things like that, mm-hmm. um, getting that energy out. Um, uh, but again, participation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, volunteering when the teacher needs a volunteer. Uh, raising your hand and, and participating in that helps get that energy out. Um, that's why we have recess, I guess, too, to get that energy out. So it's hard to say like what they can do in school, fidget toys, that's like kind of the biggest thing.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, But at home, we need to kind of break away from, okay, you can't do this until you get your homework done. Right. Right. They have a lot of energy. They might need to take a break or two. They might need a recess,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, while they're at home working on their homework. Um, and you can use that to your advantage. I mean, they have a lot of energy. It's like, hey, why don't you take a break from homework and help me with uh, raking
0: the leaves? Raking the leaves. Mm-hmm.
1: Give them a rake. Let them go wild. Um, they might make a messy pile, but it's a better pile for you. So, just ideas like that, like like pulling your mind out of the structure of you can't do this until you do this, like letting them take breaks and taking a fifteen minute recess and then getting back to it.
0: Hmm. Um, I am thinking about your sister. I hope she's okay with us saying this. Um, she she has. I don't know if she's diagnosed, but she has said she thinks she has ADHD. And I remember one time she um, she came to visit, and she was staying at your dad's house, and they wanted their their walls painted, and they were. She was just sitting there and bored, like like her, like not bored, but her body just needed to move because she is hyperactive, and um, and so. She just was like looking at the walls and like, Let, let's just do it. Let's just paint it today. And so they, they went and they painted the the walls and got it done in a day because she used that hyperactivity to to be energetic. Ener- energy, yeah. Yeah, instead of say. hyperactivity, it was it, she was being energetic and using it in yeah. a productive way. And I
1: think that's a great example, you know, going back to what I was saying, like help your kids use their energy in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, show them that, you know, do service. Yeah. Like, hey, they got a lot of energy. Let's go rake the neighbor's yard. You yeah. Know? Let's let's go do something helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think just flipping it in your mind to see it as mm-hmm. this is this is a positive. Look how it's look how cool it is that my kid has this much energy to do all these things, and that's better than oh my kid won't stop bouncing off the walls, right? Of course, like we want to be realistic. It's still hard if your kid is bouncing off the walls and you need them to be calm. Like we're not again, we're not trying to to say that everything is magically fixed by looking at these mirror traits, but it does help a majority of the time when you can see it in a positive way. Um, our our little boy, he kind of needs to wrestle. And when he when he does, actually, we have two kids who are like that. Yeah. And once they do, then they kind of feel better and they get along with people better or they can get buckled down and get their homework done. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's a way that we can use that hyperactivity turned... energetic Energetic. yeah we can we can see that energy as a good thing hey let's have a connecting activity where we're wrestling let's get that energy out and then we can buckle down and get the other thing done
1: i like that a lot you know so if you're trying to have a sit down family thing and one kid's just going crazy um Hey, you got a lot of energy. Let's get that out real
0: quick. Yeah, let's go play soccer in the backyard, yeah. or let's go for a walk or a run or something. Yeah, yeah. positive thing. Yeah, yeah, because it is like, hey, you're you're reminding us that we need to spend time together and have fun yeah. together. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay, the next um, trait of ADHD it, that we're going to talk about is impulsiveness and. Of course, that's seen as a negative because people with ADHD, when they're impulsive, they might make a bad decision or say something rude or something. But the flip of that, the mirror trait that Dr. Hallowell says is spontaneity or creativity. So impulsiveness becomes spontaneous or creative. So when you view their impulsiveness as spontaneity, you can see how they are helping make life more fun for people. They're open to trying new things and new ideas. So <laughs> Lydia, when she was like seven, I think, maybe, I don't know how old she was. Yeah, I can't remember. She was, she was pretty impulsive, and uh, she was with some friends once, and they they ran upstairs, and and they were on a mission. And, and my friend, the the mom of one of the kids, she, she was more in tune to what was going on. She's like, what are they doing up there? So she ran after them, and they were taking the screen out of our bathroom window, and they were going to jump out of the window. There was like, we have an awning there that I'm guessing they were thinking they could stand on, but it wasn't going to be safe. Of course it was the second, second floor. So that was impulsiveness. And that was of course not good. And (laughs) and then also she um, was with her cousin once and they had some paints near them. So they just dumped the paints out and started painting the floor of my sister-in-law's basement. So that's, bad, right? Like that's, that's <laughs> where impulsiveness is dangerous. It's messy. It's scary. So Ryan, how do we, how do we deal with this? How do we see impulsiveness as spontaneity and creativity instead?
1: I think that's, that's a little bit of a tough one because, you know, when it comes to that, it's just, Hey, I see that right in front of me, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but spontaneity is, is a very positive thing, uh, because when it comes down to, um, having to shift to do something they can be spontaneous they can they can do that if they forgot to do a project they can quickly come up with something pretty fast because again their brain is working really fast Mm -hmm. so now they're in uh this mode of like oh my gosh i got a project due tomorrow and their brain can work fast through all the little things they can do and then boom come up with it and they're they're spontaneous Another thing that I like about spontaneity, talking about my sister again, is, you know, she was pretty just, dis- she was able to just roll with things. Yeah. If she was on her way to get one task done and somebody needed help, she can drop that task mm-hmm. and go help him and just be like, you know what, I can do that another time. Yeah. Even maybe if she needed to get that done. And even if that meant she was going to stay up later to get that task done uh, have a late night it didn't matter it didn't bug her it didn't bother her she was spontaneous i need to go help that person yeah and it wasn't this oh i don't have time to help that person because i got to get this task done that now again that could be a negative because now you're stretching out your day you're maybe not getting things done that you need to get done mm-hmm. but that's fun maybe to be able to just kind of drop what you're doing to get something else done i think is is a very positive thing.
0: Yeah, like when we moved to the house that we live in now about seven years ago, um, our little boy was a baby, and he was really, really sick. And it was like we couldn't put him down. We couldn't stop feeding him. It was like a full-time job just taking care of him, and we had to move. and we didn't know how we were going to manage it. And Ryan was mentioning it to his sister and she's like, well, I, I can, I can fly out tomorrow <laughs> and yeah. I can help out. <laughs> and, and we were like, really? And so she did. And she came and she moved us into our house. Um, and that's incredible. And she's yeah. Ryan's brother just was in a car accident and, and she's the one who's, who's running to the hospital and, and helping him get things figured out, picking up his car from the impound, you know, like just, just, figuring things out and taking care of things. And yeah, I'm sure it takes a toll on her. Um, and so that of course is is difficult. But when we're trying to reframe this um, impulsivity. impulsivity into a positive, like look what that impulsivity has done for our family. It has, it has touched every single member yeah. of our family because she's so willing to just jump in. And then She's really fun yeah. and and impulsive kids are really fun. You know like it's worrisome because they might run out into the street so you have to you have to stay on them for longer than you would another kid and you have to teach them the skills of safety longer than you would another kid but they're fun. They're the ones who are going to jump in the pool first. They're the ones who are who are going to come up with a really funny way to wear their outfit that day or or something like that because they just impulsively think of things. Yeah.
1: Or they're the ones when everybody's sitting around not knowing what to do they're the ones that are just going to come up with something
0: yeah yeah really fun yeah yeah for sure and of course i think we said this in the <laughs> beginning we want to we want to say it again not every person with adhd presents in the same way so sure so um even the three people we've been talking about ryan and ryan's sister and our daughter they're completely different in their adhd and and Our daughter isn't going to be one who's going to jump up and play charades like she's that's not something that she's going to want to do but she is going to be somebody who comes up with with a a silly outfit to wear or something Mm. like that so so um so that's how her impulsivity becomes positive so as you're listening be thinking about how it shows up in your child okay the next adhd trait to flip is um being intrusive and dr hallowell says that the mirror trait of intrusive is eager, being eager. So one example we have of this is we have a child who is, uh, who interrupts a lot. And when we see those interruptions as negative, we criticize, we get frustrated. We are just like, oh, why can't, why can't you, why can't you wait your turn? You know, you're, you're making things difficult for everyone. And that's that's where it's negative. And when we see it that way, we, we mess up in the way that we, we talk to this child. But that's just something that their brain has to do. They are afraid that they're gonna forget what's in their brain. That's something that they've expressed to us. And so they know that they're gonna forget it. Um, it's happened so many times before. Um, or maybe someone with ADHD is intrusive because they're just so excited to share what just popped into their brain. You know, There's that impulsivity again. So flipping it and seeing them as eager Instead of intrusive or rude, helps you to enjoy their interruption. <laughs> and I, when I say enjoy, I'm, I'm kind of laughing because we <laughs> we don't do this very well all the time. No. Um, we still want to teach the skill of waiting their turn um, because that's the, people people deserve to be able to speak without being interrupted, right? So we still want to teach that turn that skill. I mean, but now we're seeing them as excited. We're seeing them as creative, as fun, engaging. They just can't wait to get this really cool thought out of their brain. So it's easier to teach that skill without getting upset when you see it as eagerness instead of intrusiveness or rudeness.
1: I think all these traits we're talking about, and especially this one, points to the fact that kids and people with ADHD always live in the moment. Right. So the reason why they're intrusive is because in that moment, They need to share something Mm -hmm. or they need to know something from you. Mm -hmm. Um, It can come off as kind of self-centered sometimes, but it's really not. They're just, they're not thinking about the future. They're not thinking about the past. They're not thinking about anything else, but something, a thought came in their mind and they need to, they need to get it out before they lose it. They need to get that information before they forget
2: Mm -hmm. what
1: it was because very, very often do thoughts come into our mind and leave our mind so fast and it's like oh I forgot what I was thinking about you know so that's so frustrating so and and I mean I think that goes with all these other traits when you look at these traits it's because this brain is in the moment now Mm -hmm. so that's why they're experiencing these negative now turning positive traits
0: yeah and I I like the way you you explain that because that can help parents have a lot of compassion Mm -hmm. you know um Instead of seeing your child as making things difficult for you, it, you can see your child as having a difficult time.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's helpful. They just yeah, they need to know something or they need to tell you something right now mm-hmm. uh, because they're worried they're going to forget. Mm-hmm. And they're in the moment, and they're they're just wanting to share and connect with you. Right. That's really. They're not trying to be self-centered. They're not trying to cut you off. They're not trying to to take away all the attention. They just want to connect, and right now is the time that they yeah. they want to do it, you know.
0: So, yeah, you can teach those skills slowly yeah. over time, but in the meantime, you can appreciate that yeah. the, their brain is so fun. Their yeah. brain has so much going on. Okay. Um, the next one is uh, you can't – they struggle to stay on point. So Dr. Hallowell says that the flip of this, the mirror of this, is to see connections that others don't.
1: Yeah. I, I have – I just thought of this. It's so often that when we're talking about something, I've jumped like 20 million thoughts in my brain. (laughs) Yes. And then I share my connection to that with you, and it doesn't make sense at all. And then when I think back, I'm like, yeah, how did that make sense? Unless I explained my whole thought process. Right. But we just go through that thought process, you know, our Ferrari brain, right? Mm -hmm. And then the, uh, the bicycle breaks. So... Ferrari brain got to a point and made all these trillions of connections, and then the brakes just took too long, so we blurted out that last connection that made no sense. Yeah. So anyway.
0: So it's funny. Yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> um, and, and I think this is a fun trait where it's a, a child with ADHD might struggle to stay on point, um, because... Like their points bounce all over the place, but then they make these really interesting connections that help you see the world in a whole new way. Um, this gives them a really interesting and unique perspective on life. And especially as a neurotypical parent, it's really cool for me to be challenged to see the world in a different way because my Mm -hmm. brain just isn't going to go to those places. So it's, it's pretty, pretty fun. And then, um, it, they can be inventive thinkers, they can come up with creative solutions because they're not focused necessarily on the point that everybody else is focused on. They're jumping ahead to, well, how can we solve this or how can we how can we fix this? Um, yeah. So they can come up with really, really cool things. Anything else on that one? Uh, no. Okay. Um, let's see here. The next one. Oh, we did want to talk a little bit about that one, about giving tips on how to help Help kids stay on point, right? Oh, yeah. So, um, so like in school, that's this is going to be a liability if you can't stay on point. How are you going to write an essay? How are you going right. to go through a ten-step math problem? Right, like that's going to be really difficult. So, um, so do you have any suggestions for that, Ryan? Um.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I'll share some that I've read. <laughs> okay. So, um, so like an essay, I, I've read this. You know, you can you can help provide a framework you can you can write just the outline so that they can then go in and and fill that out you can um make things external so like instead of keeping all of the steps of the math problem in their brain they can write it down so then they can follow that um or or it can already be written down for them um they they can um what else anything else coming up
1: um i think um yeah, i think just giving them like an outline like you said is really the most effective way um i mean uh, i think we talk about this a little later but the AD, most people with adhd that i met like puzzles like figuring out how things work mm. and so giving them their things like a puzzle mm-hmm. like a thing to figure out mm-hmm. helps them stay focused on that thing so yeah so an outline is pieces of a puzzle that they need to fill in
0: right And then again, like, um, moving movement Mm -hmm. can help or taking a break and coming back to it. Like as a a neurotypical person that breaks are bad for me. Like Mm -hmm. I lose my concentration and coming back is really hard. And so, so that has never sat well with me. It wasn't instinctive anyway to, to do that with our kids. But learning about the ADHD brain, breaks are really helpful. Yeah. And, and movement is really helpful. And when they come back, they're refreshed and able yeah. to pick up where they left off.
1: And get input from your kids on this too. Because right. um, I think we shared this on the last one. But Rex uh, taught us what he needed True. to be able to get work done. You know, last year we dealt with homeschool on Fridays and for a while, Rex just couldn't get through his little homework packet. And one day, he goes, uh, "I need to start my day off with a recess, mm-hmm. and I need music playing in the background,"
0: mm-hmm. which was all counterintuitive. And he got to through
1: his homework so fast mm-hmm. because he took a because the he had breakfast, and it was like, "Okay, twenty-minute recess," which didn't make sense to us, but mm-hmm. but he did it. Came back, turned on his music, and went for it, and got it done. And so. Get input from your children because they know they know what they need more than we do sometimes. Yeah,
0: yeah, I like that. And again, that that goes to show because your your brain didn't think of that, and no. you have ADHD. Yeah. So so every ADHD brain is different. Mm-hmm. So really unique.
1: Which is funny because even when I'm doing my work, if I'm doing the administrative part of my work, I have to have music playing.
0: Oh, and you didn't. Think and I of didn't that even think him. of that for him. Yeah.
1: Because, right, ADHD. I'm in the mm-hmm. moment. I'm not thinking about. My situation, I'm thinking about Rex and how to help him. Oh, interesting. So, so you're not
0: connecting right. your experience to him. Which I need to do more. Well, well, no. Hey, <laughs> everyone, we just learned something. So <laughs> this is something now that I know I can help us and I can ask yeah. that question, like, what, what would, would help you? you? Yeah. And and let's connect it to, to that. that. Look there at us. Go. Very well. Okay. Next one is um, being forgetful. Yes. And so the mirror trait of that is they get totally into what they're doing. Yeah. So forgetful is... is bad right yeah. because because you think things just don't get done mm-hmm. um, and so it, you can easily see that and only focus on that but as we're trying to look at the mirror traits getting totally into what you're doing is really cool too yeah. so tell us about that Ryan.
1: well i think forgetful is one of the traits that everybody see, sees as a uh, adhd right mm-hmm. but really everybody's forgetful true um people with adhd might seem to be more forgetful than others and they forget like everything, right? Yeah. But it's really that they're not, for, they didn't forget, they're just focused switched to something that was more enticing to them in the moment. So they get hyper-focused um, on that. And then it's like, oh yeah, I gotta go back. And that happens with me at work all the time. Um, I'll be working on something and then I get hyper-focused on something else. And then I'm like, sweet, I'm done for the day. And I'll be driving home and I'll be like, Oh, I didn't forget. I totally forgot to, to do that one thing and I have to stop what I'm doing and go back and do that. Mm-hmm. So it does happen. Um, it sounds like forgetfulness, but it's really just hyper-focus. It's not like... So you did really well ahead. on the
0: other thing yeah. that you were focusing on, yeah. but you forgot this other thing. Yeah. Is that right? Again, your brain
1: is a Ferrari, right? It's mm-hmm. always going super fast. So where did it go to mm-hmm. and how do you bring it back?
0: Right. Yeah and so like with kids what i've seen in our children and what i've read about um they they might forget to turn in their homework they might forget um to brush their teeth they might forget to clean their room or do, do ordinary things. And so that can be really frustrating as the parent. Right. Mm-hmm. But like what the flip side of that is that they were really like, they probably did a good job on their well not probably, but they might have done a really good job on their homework and then they forget to turn it in. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or they might have gotten um, inter- interested in researching something else and followed their passion. And that's really cool. Of course, it's not going to help their grade, but, but it's really cool that their brain, learned something really 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 interesting and and got in depth in something so again like they need support in this but when you're looking at this as they're not they're not just lazy forgetters like instead you're you're looking at it as as they're well they're they're really interested in this other thing then that can help you find solutions and it can help you have more patience and see them for for who they
1: are I think also this is a great way to find out what your kids are passionate about.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and and support that. Yeah. That's how they're gonna find happiness in their life is they're focusing on those passions. So, so you can see, okay, why did they forget this? What do they focus on? And if you see a pattern, oh, they keep focusing on this type of, of mm. thing. Well, hey, that's what they really enjoy. So let's give them more of that.
0: Good idea. And then that will
1: up, that will give them more confidence.
0: Mm-hmm. because now they're
1: able to focus on things that they're good at. And then maybe those things that they're more forgetful of, they won't be as forgetful because they're they're being fed mm-hmm. those positive things.
0: That makes sense. And, th- and then you can set up systems for the things they forget. Like a common thing I read about a lot is that people with ADHD, adults with ADHD are always losing their keys because yeah. they're forgetful. When they walk in the door, they've got whatever just happened outside the threshold is totally different than what they're seeing inside, inside the house. And so they set down their keys anywhere and then they, they go and just do whatever caught their attention, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like somebody's crying or, or some, the cat needs you or something like that. And so the forgetfulness is they forgot where they put their keys. So if you develop a system where the keys always go in this thing here, you, you put, a bowl right by the door so it just becomes automatic to yeah. put that there, then it becomes a little bit easier. Of course, there's still going to be times that, that someone would forget where uh-huh. they and put their keys somewhere else. But Yeah.
1: I, this reminds me, I don't think I've ever shared this with you. <laughs> Sometimes when I go to the store with a list,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I have my list on my phone, right? Uh-huh. And it uh, always happens, I'll be walking through the store with my phone in my hand and I'm following the list and I go to the thing that I need to get. Sometimes I might take two hands. So I set my phone down on the (laughs) shelf, grab it, and I walk away. And then I got to go run back and find my phone. Oh, my gosh. It's happened so many times. (laughs) I didn't know that. A system that I put into place, as I look at my – I go in order on my list, even if it makes me walk across the store
2: Mm.
1: back and forth. And I go, okay, the next thing is cereal. So I look at that, put my phone in my pocket, go to the cereal, put the cereal in the basket – Bring my oh. phone out. And I've been seeing this thing on TikTok lately with ADHD. It's this new uh, new saying that you say, uh, you know, because people will just put things down anywhere and then mm-hmm. they forget where they put it. So the saying is when you start to put it down, you have to tell your brain, don't put that there, put it away.
2: Oh. And so
1: every time you set something down, don't put that there, put it away. Don't put that there, put it away. It also helps with keeping your house clean. Yeah. But so it's the same kind of thing. Don't put that there put it away. Yeah, totally. Otherwise, you're not going to remember that you put it there, and then you're going to be spending 30 minutes trying to find it. Yeah, and hope that nobody your, steals your phone. <laughs> trying to find your keys or your phone that you put in the fridge because you went to look in there and set your phone down to grab something out of the fridge. Mm-hmm. So That's anyway. a good tip. That's a good tip.
0: Um, okay, so yeah, a couple other, other thoughts on that. You can use visual reminders. You can use checklists. Um, and then this is also where you can use and teach the skill of grace. Because it's just gonna happen it's just gonna happen and if you if you can have grace for it, then your child gets to learn that forgiveness they can forgive themselves they can be forgiven they can move on um, and so when when our our oldest was in, like first or second grade, she kept forgetting to go to the bus after school. <laughs> you remember that? Um, yeah. So she she would get caught up in talking to her friend and forget that she needed to hurry to the bus and the bus would leave without her. And her friend, her friend wouldn't get on her bus either. <laughs> they were on different buses. Um, so I, in the beginning, I, I didn't know she had ADHD and I was a pretty old school parent at that time. And so I, I was upset when I'd have to go and get her and get that phone call from her. Um, then when I realized that she had ADHD and forgetfulness was a symptom of ADHD, I was able to start to see her more as an adorable, forgetful child, (laughs) you know, like I still worked on teaching her the skill of getting to the bus on time, but I wasn't angry about it anymore. And so she was experiencing forgiveness and grace for me and then after that I even saw more I saw that oh she actually has this really good friend who she enjoys being with and that's a positive because she was shy at that time and so I stopped getting mad I mean it still was frustrating sometimes especially cuz I had a baby who I had to get up from a nap sometimes and and take him to to pick her up but um but I wasn't I wasn't letting that anger or that frustration lead me anymore. I was able to say like, oh yeah, she's a cute seven-year-old who got caught up and forgot to get to the bus. Um, And so she learned grace. I learned grace. She learned that she can make mistakes and I'm going to be there for her. And then as she matured, she learned how to get to the bus on time. So this this is not a problem anymore, um, and so when I when I think about it, it could have been a really long year of angry shouts and punishments and and trying to change her behavior, if I hadn't learned to see this as a positive. Okay, so the next one is. Uh, Kids with ADHD, individuals with ADHD can get bored really easily, and that can be seen as a negative. But if we're going to look at the mirror trait, it is tackling specialized jobs. Yeah. So, Ryan, you want to explain that to us?
1: Yeah. So, um, as I said earlier, people with ADHD tend to be drawn to puzzles, word problems, uh, taking apart things and putting them back together. Um, they just, their brains work so fast, that they just want to know how things work right. And so um, that's why they tend to get really bored with tedious tasks. Mm -hmm. And then they get distracted, or what was the other word for distracted, curious Mm -hmm. uh, about other things. So being able to, to, to understand that about the brain and, and telling a kid, go clean your room. That's a tedious task. So tedious. To just say go clean your room. Mm-hmm. So they go in the room. Ten minutes later, you go in and you find they're laying on the floor. Uh, you know, not playing with something. Yeah. So you know maybe. Yeah, the, oh, and the other thing I want to point out is, because of all this negativity with ADHD, often children feel like they don't have control.
2: Mm. They don't have
1: control over these things. So when you give them a task like clean your room a positive thing you can do for them is realize they like puzzles, right? So walk up to their room, look at it with them and be like, so how would you get all this cleaned and in a place where you like it?
2: Mm-hmm. How
1: would you do that? Now it becomes a word problem or a, or a puzzle. Uh, now it becomes, okay, where would I start first? How would I do this? And they get more involved and stay on task longer.
0: I like that. Um, yeah. So for example, our little boy can't we we it's summertime and so we give them a checklist to go through in the mornings and he he can't handle doing it in the same order every day. We we didn't understand why he wasn't getting through his checklist for a while and then we realized it was it was boring every single day to do the things in the same order. So we started letting him like pick one or two things he doesn't have to do that day. You can cross those things off. So that gave him control, it made it a little bit more fun and enticing. Um we let him start going in I mean, he could have gone in a different order, but he was just going in that order. So we pointed out, you can go in a different order. Um, we could switch things around. And then also, it's it's still boring, and so that's that's not solving everything. It does help a little bit, but um, sometimes it's he needs a buddy next to him to help him, or he needs some music or jokes or, or yeah. a connected like hug before, and then he can go and do it. It's something needs to make it interesting, um, connected, fun, yeah. and and then it's it's easier to to do that. So
1: yeah, I think yeah. I think that goes along with. Uh, your brain again is going so fast. Having other things helps you slow down. Helps you upgrade your brake system, right? So having music, having a, a buddy, uh, having other things that are happening helps slow you down and focus.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then tackling specialized jobs is really cool. Like we we can't. We have one kid who we don't think has ADHD, and so we can say clean the living room, and that kid is on it, and then our kids with ADHD, that's just overwhelming to them. Um, and it's its not like we never ask them to do it, but we do try and give them the more specialized jobs. Like, hey, I'm planning this party. I don't know how to make all of this work out with with the guests and with the food. Like, can you help me figure this out? And they can because mm-hmm. it's, it's engaging their brain and it's specialized it's and puzzle. it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm someone who can sit all day and write or research or whatever all day long. I sit at a desk all day and that's totally fine for me. I can enter data into spreadsheets. That's totally fine with me. I don't get bored. But that wouldn't be a good job for a person with this symptom of ADHD. They would do better with the big picture thinking or the innovative design, things that aren't necessarily second nature to me. You know, So when I look at it that way, I think it's really cool that a person with ADHD can tackle, tackle, tackle <laughs> tackle those specialized problems because, um, because they, they get to harness that, that desire. Like they so badly don't want to be bored that they can find really cool ways to do things. Yeah. Um, and so of course it's not, it's not fair to just say, well, the kids with ADHD hate cleaning the living room. We're never going to make them do that. You know, like right. we, we still have to have to have them learn how to do the tedious stuff. So, How can we make tedious tasks innovative? How can we make it fun for them? Well, again, like I
1: I said earlier about asking them how they would do it, how they would accomplish it, Uh, making it a puzzle more than just a task,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: making it, um, or or letting them take breaks too. Mm -hmm. I think that's another big one is like, okay, I need you to clean this room. Uh, Why don't you clean that corner over there, go take a break and then come back. Mm Uh, you know just different things like that uh, why don't you play music put some earphones in mm-hmm. um, uh, you know or let me do it with you mm-hmm. if you have time or you know
0: making it big picture yeah. like you said like here how do we solve this issue right. what's, what's the big picture here how can we avoid yeah. having this issue again can you, can you help us figure that uh, out that kind of stuff
1: yeah I've heard of uh, you know putting a picture of the room up that looks clean mm-hmm. and saying okay I need this room to look like this. How can we do that?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good too. What, how would you the visual? How would you
1: start this process? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. The next trait is being disorganized, and so the mirror of that is being spontaneous, which we have talked about some spontaneity yeah. already. But this is another way it kind of shows up. So, what what do you have to say about that, Ryan?
1: Um, I think it's very similar to the other spont- spontaneity. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what that negative trade was, but, uh, it looks disorganized because you're constantly being able to just shift gears, uh, change. So, so which is good. I think, you know, going back to you, that allows you to be able to accomplish a lot more as long as you could learn some, uh, structure in, you know, making sure there's a. There's a thought of, okay, I need to switch gears and do this, but here's how I'm going to go back and finish this task. Mm-hmm. So anyway.
2: Yeah.
0: And it it's fun. Like, like I think the, the disorganized mind can be a fun mind. It can be a generous mind. Um, it can be a mind that doesn't get hung up on what society expects of us, you know, yeah. like Like society says, your home has to look this way, but Mm -hmm. a person with ADHD says, not for me. You know? Um, Now, the challenge, of course, comes in when we start to judge people and moralize this and we start to say, no, you have to have a clean, tidy house. Um, That's going to hurt someone with ADHD. Yeah. But if we can, again, teach our children um, that you're spontaneous, you're fun. And, and then also give them some skills to keep things manageable along the way, then they don't have to feel that shame when yeah. their disorganization messes them up. You know, they, they can feel disappointed, but they don't have to feel shamed. Yeah.
1: I think uh, going back to what you said about how they don't really care what, you know, society is thinking that how they should do things. They're the out-of-the-box thinkers. They're the mm-hmm. ones that are going to come up with a creative way of getting something done. Mm -hmm. So it may look disorganized. That's because their box is overflowing and now they're out of the box and they're going to think of other things.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And so in our marriage, we've had to kind of balance this. And and I think the positive that has come about from this is uh, Ryan, you're like less physically organized than I am, but you have worked hard to learn some skills and you've become more organized. And then I have worked hard to let things go, and so I'm not as uptight as I as I would have been had I maybe married someone exactly like me. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, we probably would be super uptight and have and not have a lot of fun in our home because we wouldn't want things to get messed up. Right? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm able to let things go a lot more because because you've been able to teach me that. And then again, like we we've been saying all along, like you also learned the skill so that it, you could get better at being organized. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there's a, there's a stigma about this one that if you're mm-hmm. not organized, you're, you're bad, you're yeah. immoral. There's, there's all sorts of sorts of things that people say about that. Um, yeah, and I. But I also
1: think that you can walk into the a room of somebody who has ADHD and think, oh my gosh, this person is a mess, but they know exactly where everything is. True. Like that's just, that's what their brain looks like.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
1: what the inside of their brain looks like. <laughs> but they know where everything is. So to them, it's not as disorganized as you think it is.
0: I like that. I need, I need that reminder a lot. <laughs> okay. Uh, the next trait is being stubborn. And the mirror trait of that is being persistent. They won't give up. So um, Ryan isn't stubborn. He doesn't have this trait. So, uh, But one of our children does they kind of feel like they they have a need for control in their lives yes. and so it really looks like stubbornness they they can't bend their will it that's what it looks like um so they already have something in mind how something should go and when it doesn't go that way it's very very upsetting and they want to dig their heels in so this is a hard one as a new parent i'm not a new parent this is a hard one as a parent because because it like how it it brings you into battles it brings you into the battle of wills and and that's Hard. So again, flipping it, seeing it as they're not stubborn, but they're persistent, or they 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 don't want to give up because this is important to them. That can help bring new insights to mm-hmm. the way that you interact with them,
1: and then giving the tools to to show them how to be persistent in the right ways.
0: Right. And I think I think one way to do this is to have empathy and show empathy for them and, and yeah. say to them, like, I can see you don't want to change your mind on this. And it's really frustrating to you that people are trying to change you. And just letting them know that is going to calm them down. And then you can you can work from there. And, and sometimes they, they might continue to dig their heels in, but at least you're understanding each other. So now you can find individualized solutions. Yeah. Um okay the next trait is being inconsistent and this this has kind of shown up in a lot of what we've talked about too. Um, but so the flip side of inconsistency is that a person with ADHD shows flashes of brilliance. Uh, so this this is cool. Tell us about that, Ryan
1: um so yeah, I mean they they'll come up with these ideas that seem like overwhelming even, but it's, like, so creative and just kind of ingenious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, man, you almost always want somebody with ADHD on your project mm-hmm. because they're going to be the ones that are going to set you apart. They're going to be the ones that come up with those flashy, creative, out-of-the-box, like, whoa, mm-hmm. I never even thought of that. Now, they're not going to be the ones to to nail down all the fine details.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, yeah, they'll, they'll absolutely come up with some really creative things.
0: As you're talking about this, I'm thinking about how it's been said that Leonardo, Leonardo Da Vinci probably had ADHD. Mm-hmm. And when you think of everything he did, like painting, inventing, I don't even know. I don't even know. Like he was an expert in anatomy. He he everything that he did um is was inconsistent, right? Yeah. Like because he he was he was over here, mastering this skill, and then he went over and mastered another skill, and he he was kind of an exception because he mastered so many yeah. things. But um, but that's inconsistency. And so the the flip side of that is he was showing flashes of brilliance all the time. Yeah. And, you know, and and again, I don't think many of us are raising or many of us are Leonardo da Vinci's, right? right. He was an exception. But those flashes of brilliance are there, it, even even though the inconsistency is there, and they're bumping around from thing to thing, there's so much brilliance within all of it.
1: Yeah. So I think uh, it's important though, that we let them have control over that creative mm-hmm. part. If they come up with something super creative, let them run with it mm-hmm. and then give them the tools to help keep them focused to finish it out.
0: Right. Cause the finishing is hard. That's
1: the hard part. You, you think of, uh, I mean, you can go through and probably Google uh, you know, famous ADHD people. And there's so many. Mm-hmm. There's so many business owners, CEOs, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, actors that are, have ADHD. And that's because they came up with this ingenious idea, but they needed a partner to help do all the boring administrative to make it all work. Right. So that's kind of your job as the parent is, hey, let them run with that creative creativity and then, Help give them the tools to finish finish it out.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, and then, and again, all of this. Whenever you're flipping it, whenever you're looking at the mirror trait, you get to enjoy your child more because you're not seeing the negativity. And so it's fun to enjoy their flashes of brilliance and recognize them for what they are instead of moralizing and saying something like, "You always have good ideas, but you never follow mm-hmm. through." Like you don't have to feel that way anymore. You can be their cheerleader and and give them the tools and help them follow through on their flashes of brilliance. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Okay. And the next one is being moody and the flip of that is being sensitive. So um, we, we've seen this ADHD is highly emotional. It's difficult to manage the emotions. And so that can make you moody. It can make you um, experience things at a deeper level, a higher level than mm. neurotypical people. But the flip of that is you're sensitive. So how yeah. does how does that show up,
1: Ryan? Well, I think like, uh, you know, I think of our daughter and a lot of times when she is upset uh, she, and she wants to share with us, she comes at us really moody.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think she's projecting her mood, thinking that that's how we are going to feel and when she tells us whatever's going to happen. So it comes off as moody. Um, and so I think what's nice... What's nice about this trait is they are sensitive. They kind of understand how people feel, how people think. Uh, they they're perceptive in in moods and and they're sensitive to those things. So um, that could be a very positive thing for them in their in their future, or even now in school, is being able to anticipate what other people are going to feel.
0: Yeah yeah and and again this doesn't always translate in this way for each person right. with ADHD I think that's something Ryan you have like you can kind of mirror people's emotions and kind of understand mm-hmm. what they're feeling um, but our, our kids don't necessarily have it that to that extent right. um, but again, just seeing okay this moodiness is not negative this is this is more about sensitivity then you can see their soul a little bit better you can see maybe they're a deep thinker or maybe they're like really careful and they want to take their time getting into new situations or something like that you know they're or they they notice their environment and and the the sights and sounds and things a little bit more and yeah. all of that can be really cool when you're looking at it from that perspective yeah they can be perceptive, and they can pick up on things that other people might miss. Okay, I think that was the last one that Dr. Halliwell um, lays out. But of course, there are a lot more traits, and they show up in different ways. And so we were just kind of hoping that as you were listening, that you you were thinking about your child and thinking, oh yeah, this thing that drives me crazy, or this thing that makes my child's life hard, here's the flip of it. Here's how it's actually positive. And, and, um, and, and this is, this is how I can, I can view it. So think about what's your biggest challenge with your child's personality. And it's okay that you have challenges with your child's personality. We are different people raising different people, right? So we're going to clash. So figure out that, that part, and then try and find its mirror trait try and flip it and see that challenge as a strength instead of a weakness.
1: Yeah. I think this whole thing that we're talking about, this exercise of finding the merry image is, it's for the overall mental health of your child and yourself. Yeah. Um, because, because ADHD in its name is negative, mm-hmm. um, that's why ADHD is a comorbid thing, right? It is often coupled with, Uh, depression and with anxiety and things like that and that's why I mean it's it's a negative thing right from the get-go. So if we can flip those to positives, you're not distracted, you're curious, you're not you know, you you flip those things, that creates a more positive experience for your child, Mm -hmm. giving them better chance of not having deep depression or major anxiety. And then also, as Becca said multiple times it gives you a better relationship with your child, one that's more positive because now you're not trying to treat the behavior uh, or fix the behavior, you're trying to fix the mindset. Mm-hmm. And, and the connection. And the connection. Mm-hmm. So, And that's the third part is, and you're connecting with your child. Right. So overall, the mental health of you, your child, and your relationship is going to improve by flipping this. Right,
0: and that's what we believe so strongly here at Pause and Connect, that connected parenting is the solution to to the challenges that, that you have with your child. We've seen it happen again and again, where the solutions come up through connection. And this exercise, trying to flip those so-called negative traits into positive, into their mirror positive traits, helps you connect with your child and see your child so that you have the blueprint you, you have the individualized blueprint for your child to figure out what they need and, um, and you, you become the expert and, and you have more confidence yeah. and more happiness as a parent. So again, this is not Pollyanna. It's not easy. It's not, it's not uh, going to solve everything, but this is a really helpful tool for parents to have to learn to switch those negatives into positives. So thank you very much for being here and we hope this has been helpful for you. Thank you so much for pausing and connecting with me today. Your support seriously means the world to me. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know I have countless other resources for you to find more connection in your motherhood and life. Head to my website, rebeccabrownwright.com, to check out my blog, check out my back and forth journal for parents and kids, and take a look at Pause and Connect Academy where you can find courses to help you stop yelling, find your strengths, and finally get your kids to listen to you. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a positive review. Sharing it on social media or sharing with your friends. I love you and I want you to thrive in your motherhood and life. Thank you for being here. Now go forth and connect.